I kind of left the last episode off on a really heavy note, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing like a brief mention of genocide to leave you wanting more. Technically, that wouldn't be genocide because they didn't murder the children. It was assimilation. Well, it was the result of genocide. Touche. Um. Now listen. Avatar The Way of Water is a boring movie. Because the script sucks. It's bad. Five credited writers, including James Cameron, who did all the world building he possibly could in the first movie, and, to my knowledge, didn't leave a lot of questions about the world unanswered in the first movie. Now we kind of get everything explained. We get weird tail sex explained. We get how the tail's attached to the animals. We get... The strange tree that controls destiny. The way the avatar suits work. We get everything. They really do a lot of explaining in the first movie. And that's great. That's helpful when you want to build a fantasy setting. This movie sucks. They don't explain shit about fuck. It is a never-ending cavalcade of this happened and then this happened, which, in case you don't know, is the opposite of a way to write a cohesive story. This summer, uh, this summary of City Wave Cinema, uh, Way of Water, Episode One, brought to you by James and also the writers of South Park. Um, my first note for this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I left it on such a deep note, I'd like to swing it around to something a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, my first note is it's hard to breathe normally when you're horny. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking forgot about that shit. This is all right. This is I just had <laughs> listen. I just had a big old rant briefly about how bad the writing is in this movie. This scene is very good. The writing in this scene is very good. Perfect. Chef's kiss, very good. We have the chief daughter of the sea navi going Serena, on like I believe. going on like this wonderful like mystic speech of how to like control your breath underwater, how the sea navi philosophy works. She says way of water, so you know the movie is supposed to pick up. The way of water is eternal. The sea never stops or ends. Like it's, yeah, it's all. It's this. a very beautiful speech, and then she goes over to Loak and touches him like. On, on his chest. Like where your diaphragm is. And she goes, your heart's beating too fast. And he's like, uh -huh. sorry. <laughs> he's like, sorry. And all the guys, his brother and Serena's brother and Kiri are all there. They're all learning how to breathe better so that they can hold their breath underwater. It's a very practical lesson they're trying to learn. And she just, like, she's already... So, like, we've had lingering shots prior in the movie where Loak sees her and is like, oh, like the 1980s. You she's see the girl from across. She's very pretty. Okay, she's a CGI. Of all the CGI Navi people, she's the prettiest. There's an argument for that. Um, and and she's had the same thing with him. And so we're they're having the scene and she does. She reaches over and she like, in the whole mysticism of it, it sort of makes a little bit of sense that she's talking about the heart and she reaches over, touches his chest. She can feel his heartbeat. And, she, and then she says, you need to be breathing from your diaphragm here and touches his abdomen, which is where your diaphragm is. And it's all very practical information. And 
boy howdy she goes you your heart rate's too fast and the guys in the circle are snickering because they go uh-huh. and uh-huh. Kiri and Kiri just rolls her eyes as girls do and Loak is like sorry <laughs> I am having a hard time focusing. It's just a very teenage <laughs> it's, scene. It's it's really good. It's really really good. The rest of the movie is fucking shit. But this scene is really really. There's good. like two. There's, there's two. There's or a three. handful of scenes where we were like, "All right, that was good." It's also one of those things, though, that, like, those two or three scenes didn't come from, like, the same plot line. So it's like if we could have just stuck with one of them. Like, if we could have, like I said, made one movie instead of three separate movies. Dude, give me a coming-of-age romance movie. About the Cenobi people. That's an hour and a half where the Sully family blends into this family. And then in the sequel, we can do Jake murdering everybody. That'd be great. Don't give me three plots over the course of three hours and none of them are resolved well. That's awful. Um, so we hop over away from the training montage to the avatars who are... What are they doing? I'm making sure I'm in the right place. I think this is when... There's a lot that happens in the movie, so keeping the notes straight is difficult. I just want to make sure I'm not jumping ahead. Well... The... the uh, yeah. Okay, I know what's happening. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I thought it was at the boat, but we're not at the boat. The av- the avatars have taken Spider to the woods, and Porridge has a new game plan. They're going to go full Navi. They're going to learn how to be Navi so they can beat the Navi. Which, honestly, that's the correct plan. If, if there was ever a way to figure out how to get Jake Sully... And kill his ass. Figure out how to be Navi. That's the best option. Because he'll just smoke you otherwise. So Spider's out there. They basically tell him that his uh, face apparatus, his breathing mask, has a tracker in it. So if he tries to run... They'll find him. He won't get far. Yeah. Um, And so... Corch just goes on this big empowering speech. He's like, we're gonna eat like them. We're gonna sleep like them. We're going to even start using the language. And then he tries to speak in Navi and Spider just fucking laughs at him. And he's like, you sound like a toddler. He's speaking Navi, but he's speaking broken Navi. Like, it's his first time ever saying the words. Which it probably is. is. I also have, here's one of my logistical questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Jake had to be taught how to speak Navi. Yeah. He even said it took a couple of years to figure it out. But these guys just have it programmed into their brain in their new avatar mesh suits. Don't ask questions. We don't explain shit around here. Because they can like instantaneously talk to each other in Navi. Yeah, they figure it out in a couple hours. Okay. Um. Don't ask questions. Spider kind of takes them on their own training montage of like how to be Navi. And I start to write that Spider's kind of starting, I, you can see it, he's starting to kind of grow attached to his dad and, like, a little bit, guiding, like, these people through. Like, he's not immediately, like, hissing at them anymore. <laughs> True. Um, I think, though, he's, to me, the Spider plot really, it really revolves around, it's just a, it's just a plot of survival. Spider knows he can't escape. 
He also knows the chances of him getting more chances to escape are going to be if he helps out a little bit. So he helps out a little bit and he throws as many stinging comments as he can along the way. Yeah, he and because he makes fun of their talking, um, he becomes their translator, which is basically like, congratulations, you're our new translator. So this is where uh, we jump back to the sea Navi. Um, and I also make the comparison that the forest Navi are your North American natives. And the sea Navi the sea are Navi, your Pacific Islanders. Yeah, your Pacific Islander natives. Um, so we we kind of are just telling two different like native plot lines. The first one was really the Native American story, mm. and the second movie is now the Pacific Islander native story. Um, just lots of comparisons to like actual history that happened between the. I don't know two enough cultures. about the history of the Pacific Islanders to comment on it. Kiri is the happiest we've seen her ever her entire life. She didn't want to come here, first of all. She's not happy to be around people while she's here. But if she's in the water, she's having the best time. She's just can, having a ball. She can hold her breath longer than everybody. She, like I said, the water treats her differently. She's Moana. And we stumble upon her laying in the shallows, staring at the sand. Which is weird, but she's been doing weird shit the whole time. And then, Is that where you are? Yep. Great. Fucking teenagers. Teenagers are going to teenager. Especially boy teenagers. Goddamn, they're the worst. Um, she is approached by the chieftain's son and his and his little group of cronies. Friends. Yeah, and they basically call her a freak. Start kind of picking on her. She is hurt, but not surprised. Yeah, she kind of doesn't give a fuck because I and I wrote this note and I don't know where I wrote it, but sh oh, it's it's just a couple notes from here. She doesn't belong here thrice. Yeah. She is adopted, so oh. she's not a Sully, yeah, really. She's a weird little immaculate conception baby. Test tube child. Oh, yeah. Um, She's a half-breed. Oh, yeah. So she has the five fingers, and she's from the wrong tribe. So, like, there's Kiri, not a lot going for her here, and I think she's just kind of used to being that she's also smart enough to like not bite when the bait is thrown out there for her she's like i know i know i'm just not gonna engage she and, tries to disengage and she gets defended by her two older brothers who are being good older brothers i will say the that so the sully boy i'll tell you what if that, the rule is sully stick together we hear that a lot in the movie and they do their best and they kind of, like, de-escalate the situation. They get Kiri out of there. And then one of the boys from the other tribe... Not the chieftain's son. It was one of the other fuckers. Makes a fucking last uh, word comment. Yeah, I gotta get the last laugh, right? And, and thus we have a brawl. And then Loak just does Loak shit. Because, like I said, this is gonna come up several times. He snaps and goes and shoves the kid, or no, he, he goes- He does a little theatrical fist punch. He does, he does, he goes, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you wanna know actually what's really cool about having five fingers versus four? He's like, I can go like this and I can clench them really hard. And then what happens is, and like knocks the guy. And it's, it's really, it's a, it's a good brother scene. That's a good family moment. And then they fuck those Islander boys up. 
Yeah, I get the feeling that the Sully Boys, aside from their already like military training via their dad, the tree people, in my opinion, are more prone to having to scrap for shit, i.e. they're hunting other predators. And fighting in the ocean is a different spectacle than fighting in the forest. And I think the Sully Boys already had the advantage to begin with. They have that physical fighting for sure, because most of the sea people, like, they don't go fight the outward sea creatures. They stay to the reef until, like, they're older. And they're kind of friends with all the fish creatures, whereas... they have a much more harmonious culture, whereas in the the forest, it's very much, like, do or die. Yeah, we see that, like, we see Navi get attacked by, like, animals in the forest, and they do eat the animals, so, like, there's just a bigger threat there it's almost more like the the sea navi feel almost more like a civilization one step ahead of the forest navi and that's not to say that they're not both very tribal it's that there's a little more respect for the environment in the sea and there's a lot more respect for the danger in the forest plus they're the sully kids so they've been like Bred up in war, basically. Their only purpose is fight. So they have a brawl, and then they all get dragged. Uh, I guess to their fathers. Yeah, they get they get dragged to their fathers. Uh, this is not the time where the chieftain berates his son, but Jake berates his kids, uh, and does not. He does a good job, like stopping when he finds out that the his daughter was being bullied. And so they were sticking up for her. So he stops berating, but he does make he doesn't he doesn't approve of them brawling in favor of defending their family. And in fact, he makes Loak go and apologize for starting the fight. And then to his favorite son, Nataim, he uh, asks, you know, the one that got a backstory. Yeah, yeah. He asks, "How did the other guys look?" And Nataim goes, "Worse, way worse," which is true. And Sully just goes, mm. Good. <laughs> like, which is like, dude, you gotta like pick a lane. Pick a lane. If you're gonna be approving of the violence enacted, at least include Loak in the praise. He fucking started it. He started the fight in defense of his sister. And you're not gonna be approving of him. You're gonna be approving of Natayim. Fuck off. At least share the love if you're gonna dole it out. You know? No, because only two children get special backstories, James. That's right. Um, <laughs> Loak goes to apologize to the boys, and the boys, very not subtly, share, like, secret, like, like, we're gonna go fuck this kid up glances, which Loak does not interpret or see, so they invite him to go hunting with them, and I was like, do not go hunting with them, do not trust them, and then he's like, sure thing, let's go, and I was like, <sighs> at this point, the movie is really, really just recycling the hits. Like, I don't know how many stories I've read or watched where you win a scrap, you have to go apologize, they make nice, and they're gonna backstab you. The mean kids are gonna just... The mean kids are gonna be mean. And it's telegraphed. But it's... I'm so tired of it. I'm so, so tired of it. In, In an age in movies and stories where we're making insane advances in technology 
They invented new cameras and invented new motion capture shit to make this movie. We invented a new way to do movies just for this, just so that we can have a script that rehashes plot lines from 90s sitcoms and 90s movies about bad dads and loving mothers, and it's all the same garbage. There's nothing interesting. You can sit there, and if a plot point comes up, you can pause the movie and think for five seconds about how it will resolve, and you will be correct the whole way through. There's nothing, there's no twists, there's no surprises, there's no shock, there's nothing interesting. It's just the same. It's an echo chamber of movies and stories we've seen before. And James Cameron trips over his own enormous cock when he redoes the fucking sinking of the Titanic in an hour. It's the same, practically fucking shot for shot of the end of Titanic. And I know that because we just fucking watched Titanic. He hasn't missed a step. It's very beautiful. But it's the same. It's just the same. Why, oh why? Can these people who are massively successful, these directors and producers and these artists who had such great visionary works when they were young and when they were first doing it, how can they not step farther? They've tied their shoelaces together. They can't move forward. We can't write new shit. We just can't. We've had 25. Fuck off years of fucking the same Marvel movie again and again and again and again. Are we going to get something interesting? Barbie was different. That shit was crazy. That was a fun and interesting movie. Is it going to win Best Picture? No. Should it? Probably not. But it was new and interesting. Not an original idea, though, based off a toy. Fair. But at least it was something unique and different. True. This is Avatar 1, again, with a tinge of other James Cameron movies, with a script from 40 years ago. And it's, it's a waste. If you sit down to watch it, it's a waste. It's a waste of the hundreds of millions of dollars they spent to make it, it's a waste of every second that you're in the theater. There's nothing enriching. There's nothing to learn. There's nothing new. We've seen it before. There's nothing. It's empty. It's soulless. The points they try to make to make you feel for characters don't mean shit. There's no stakes. There's no threat. There's no story. I said it before, the movie is boring. Nothing happens. And yeah, the plot carries on, but it's irrelevant. The movie is just James Cameron and all those guys, all those people who wrote on it, just jerking it to all the CG they could make. Beautiful, beautiful CG, incredible, stunning visuals. 
they couldn't fit a story to it. They couldn't write one interesting thing. They couldn't write something so poorly, they brought back a guy they killed. They retconned it so that we could have him back. And here's a spoiler for you. They kill him off again in this movie. And here's another spoiler for you. No, they didn't. He makes it out. We're going to have the same fucking movie in Avatar 3. Because we have the same fucking villain and the same fucking heroes. Not an original thought in any one of their goddamn heads. In a beautiful, vibrant, interesting, fascinating world. That's properly built out. And had explanations in the first movie. Think what you want to of Avatar 1. At least they explain shit. They don't explain fucking anything in this movie. They don't bother with any of it. It's all CG porn for your eyes. The writers took a shit on this script. And they didn't make this movie until they had written... Avatar 2 through 5. They wrote four scripts at the same time. And you know what we're going to get for the next three Avatar movies? The same garbage. Again and again and again. How disappointing. What a waste. There's brilliant minds behind all this shit. And they couldn't cobble together one thing that was interesting. One thing that was unique besides what you look at. Credit where credit's due, they tried. What if there were different Navi people on the world? How would it look? How would it function? And they built out the world of the sea Navi. And it's great. And it doesn't matter. Because we don't do fuck all with them. We just butt heads the whole fucking movie. It's a fucking waste. We could have had art, and instead, it's just computer-generated fuck-off garbage. Yes. I'm on note 69, and we're 20 minutes into this episode. Well, they were waiting on a fucking rant. There they got one. <laughs> um, Loak gets... They take him out to where he's not supposed to be. He can't swim very well. And then they abandon his ass. He gets chased by a giant fish. Um... And then another bigger fish eats that giant fish, right? And saves Loak. As Loak runs out of air, but don't worry, he didn't. The fish saves him. Um, and the fish, the giant fish, which is a tulak, right? That's what they're called? Tulkum. Tulkum. Um, I wrote it down. Yeah, Tulkum. Tulkum. They, uh, they become friends. And they I become was, homies. I was like, really, like, I was like, you know what? Go for it, Loak. You Tame the whale thing, because it's just basically a it's whale. It's a giant, mean whale. Um, It's a whale with the mouth of, like, that, the Leviathan in Subnautica, yeah, if you watched us goes, play that game. It, its mouth splays way, way out. Um, so he's making friends with the Tolkun, and the Tolkun has a harpoon, a very clearly human harpoon, in its, one of its fins. And this is, it. it's so obviously human because they did a great job designing 
what the different cultures look like in every aspect, right? So it's very clearly human harpoon. It's rusted. It's fucking just in his fin. And he basically asks Loak to get it out of his fin. Oh, yeah, because the Tolkum can speak Navi, sign Navi, and their own language. They're bilingual. Wales. Also, it should be noted later, we learn a little bit more about the Tolkun, and they're a more intelligent and advanced species than the Navi are. Or humans. Or humans. They, as proven by pseudoscience, they are more advanced. Proven by in-universe science. Yes, that's a good way to put it. In-universe science. Um, and their brain goo stops aging. This move that stops human aging. Yeah. This is our other resource that we're on. The we'll get for. there. Don't worry. Maybe. Um, this movie is three hours because of this fucking all the fucking B plots. Like, holy shit. It's really cool watching Loak bond with the Tolkum and due to a whale ex machina we will need later. Yep. It's kind of important, but it really feels unnecessary to the story when it's three hours long. Yep. Um Tolkum tells everybody that he basically, or no, Loak goes back and tells everybody that he made friends with a giant fish. That's how he survived. And we have a, we have a, a fight. Well, no. No, because, that's not yet. Because he comes back. Well, there's a couple fights. He comes back. And. Because and, everyone finds out that he was missing, basically, and everyone's freaking out. And he gets, he comes back. The chieftain tries to berate his own son and Tolkun, or not Tolkun, fucking Loak tries to take the fall for it. And both dads are like, fuck both of you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I don't care who did it, but you're bad. Both of you. Um, And he tells them, he tells the kids, he doesn't tell the adults that he made friends with Tolkien, like this giant fish, and they kind of explain, oh, that's the outcast whale. There's, right. And they will explain the whale culture later. But right now, just know that that is the outcast whale. He's not welcomed by the Navi, and he's not welcomed by his own kind. And his name is Piacan. Yes. Um, then we get to the boat. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I didn't. The middle part of the movie is really snoozeworthy. Well, I didn't take many notes about, because, well, my next note is that, uh, Basically, the Avatar roll up to the sea humans, because they are humans that are basically just there to fish. They're not part of the other humans that are there to, like, establish a living ground. They're there to mine this resource that James was talking about. It's the brain goo of the Tolkoon. And it stops aging in humans. Allegedly. So it's a very good parallel to how a lot of cultures will kill giant animals and use one part. They're basically poachers. But they roll up to the sea group of humans. Oh, oh no, wait. Because we fucking... Okay, we missed how they... I'm getting there. No, 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 no. Before they ever go to the boat, Kiri has to have her seizure. Because then the helicopter needs to fly out, which gives the humans and the avatars the route out there. And then they go to the boat. Yes. Okay, so Kiri has a seizure. <laughs> James isn't going to let me tell my story. Well, you jumped ahead like 35 minutes. I was going to get there because I have my fucking Jake is going to get them all killed line. 
Because that's it's Jake that calls in the helicopter. Right, after Kiri has her seizure. Yes! Well, go ahead, talk about, you didn't want me to do it, talk about Kiri and her seizure. Well, this is part of our weird mysticism train. So... James really cares about the Kiri plotline. <laughs> it's, it's because it's the one, it's one of the only things in the movie that is A, not explained, and makes no sense. And it's the most interesting plotline that we have. Right, because it makes you ask questions. So, Kiri and uh, Serena... The children. Uh, some of the children. The the older Loak is not there. Loak's not there because he's in trouble. Right, he's in trouble. Everyone else goes to what is the uh, it's the cove of the ancestors is what they call it, and it's basically where the world tree is. It's your tree of life from the other one, right? But underwater, and from the top down looks like a coral reef. Underwater, it's a tree. It doesn't make any sense. It looks just like the other tree. So they do their weird little ponytail fuck thing to the tree, and Kiri connects. And, like, transports, she has a vision, she sees her mom, and it's Sigourney Weaver having a conversation with Sigourney Weaver, which is odd. Uh, and they conversate, and she asks a bunch of questions, like, who's my dad, all this stuff. And then her mom goes, oh, my poor baby, and gets sucked back into hell. Just And then... Kiri has a fucking seizure. And the tree light goes out, which seems problematic, but it's not. No one talks about it, and it's irrelevant. But it Kiri, does go out. Kiri goes into a coma, basically. Pretty much. They get they fish her out of the water, they take her back to the village, and Jake, in his panic over the fact that one of his kids is dying because he never, ever spends any time with them, um, radios, radios in the science helicopter. Right. To the guys he left and did not tell where they were going, he asks them for help. And they, of course, will help him. So they fly a fucking helicopter out to the sea people, right? And we've got Norm in his avatar form, and we've got Sully in his human body. Uh, and they get out there, and they run scientific tests on Kiri, and they're like, we can't figure out what the fuck is wrong with her. And then they throw out the idea that it's epilepsy, and if she connects to the tree again, she could just die, uh, especially if it's underwater. Uh, they don't help her in any they way. They don't help her at all. And then the... Chieftain's wife, Renal, who is the village healer, uh, rolls up, sees all this fucking techno battle going on, and says in a rather snooty voice, clearly I'm not needed here. And uh, Natiri, uh, a budding of heads of matriarchs, demands her help because she is the village healer, and that's tradition, and then Natiri clears everybody out. She says, you guys are fucking useless, get the fuck out of here. So then... Renal does witchcraft and brings Kiri back, and that will not be explained. Uh, carry on. So, due to this helicopter visit, Porch now has a general location, because the helicopter eventually did go out of range, but has a general location that they are in the island somewhere. Yep. So he basically commandeers a fishing boat, which we just talked about, that's out there to fish for the whales, you know, the Tolkien, yeah. Um, commandeers it, and the captain's like, nah, dude, I've got quotas to meet, like, there are people paying me to go fish these things, like, you cannot have my boat. And Porch basically goes, I can, I asked nicely once, I won't do it again, and the captain goes, okay, and that's it. So now we got a boat, and... Basically, their plan is they're going to go 
Village to village. Village to village, island to island, because there's like a bunch of islands in this scope of where this helicopter could... Hundreds of villages of Navi. And they're going to go island to island, tribe to tribe, until they find Jake Sully. And Spider is their translator. So they will go to the first island and capture all the people in minutes. No fight. No nothing. They have like literally all of them bound and on the beach in like no time at all. It's really quickly. Um, And they have a little fight and argument about, have you seen this man? And they go, we don't know who the fuck he is because they don't. They're like, have you seen this man? And they're like, no. And Spider is translating. They don't know who that is. Um, Only some of the subtitles will be translated, though. True. Sometimes they just talk in Navi and there's not any subtitles or English. So, um, and so they basically say, okay, tell us where Sully is or we're going to shoot this chick. And Spider's like, I'm telling you, they don't fucking know. Like, stop. Don't hurt her. And I thought for a minute Spider was going to get through to his dad because his dad is looking at him and seeing how upset he is. No. Instead. They don't kill her. They don't kill her. They just burn the entire village to the ground. Yeah. They don't kill anyone, actually. They just burn the whole village They do to the kill one of their creatures. Yeah, they kill one of the little uh, fly, swimmy dragons. Um, And they do this at least like two more times. Pretty much. So now tensions rise between Sully's family and the sea Navi they are hanging out with. Then we jump back to... We did miss a little bit. Loak eventually goes back and visits visits his whale friend and asks him why he's an outcast. And this is when the adults... Stop listening. ...get wind of the fact that now Loak has befriended the outcast... Tolk, because the rest of the Tolkums, Tolkum, 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 the rest of the herd comes back, and we get this really cool, beautiful scene. It's fantastic cinematography. Um, where we find out that like every sea navi has a spirit sibling that is a Tolkum, and like there's this really cool moment where they're all communicating with their sea siblings and they all they all speak the same language so it's like if you could talk to a dolphin and it could communicate in the same level of thoughts as we do which is a cool idea uh that does not get expanded upon nearly enough and so we get to really like see the extent of these creatures and so loak goes and asks his creature like why are you outcast like you got to tell me because like the rest of these guys seem like super great and chill and they get to hang out. Why can't you hang out? And then Toak, or sorry, I just combined their names. Uh, Loak gets nommed. Yeah. Well, Pyakan opens his maw mm-hmm. like, really big. And there are a couple of observers hiding in the reeds who can see Loak and Pyakan. And Loak says, I trust you, you trust me. <coughs> and Pyakan sort of like says, okay, and opens his mouth, his enormous mouth, right? And so Loak swims his little ass in there. Pyakan closes his mouth, and the interior of his mouth is all these bioluminescent lights, and then he unfurls this weird little tangly mass of the connector, the connector that 
all of the, I believe all the sentient creatures in this world can connect to each other via the tree and shit. So they, he does that and we get to witness um, the actual effects of hunting the Tulkun. And then we'll witness it again in a minute. So Pyakan was with his mother, mother and I guess other herd. relatives. He was with his herd and they got eviscerated. Just Navi were with them. They get hunted. They get exploded. It is a, a vicious, vicious scene. And Pyakan is the only survivor. He has one of his fins cut off. He is pierced through with a harpoon. He is one of the only survivors. And he gets away. It is believed. Uh, we find out a little bit later. When the chieftain gets piss, pissy about everything. Well, we find out right now because... Oh, yeah, yeah, carry on. Then, basically, the, uh, it, the other kids basically rat on Loak. Um No one is surprised. And so the father, like, the, tr- the, the chief. chief basically tells them the story of how the Tolkun work, that they have a basically very strict... Pacifism rule. There will be... The Tolkun will not kill anyone for any reason... Whatsoever, because once upon a time they did do that because they're big bad motherfuckers, and it just led to a bunch. There was it was senseless to them because they're more advanced than humans or Navi, so it was senseless to them. So they became they basically made a rule amongst themselves that none of them will kill, and because it is believed that Pyakan killed everybody, Pyakan killed everyone. He's outcast. You're not allowed to be with him. That is not true. He did not kill everybody, and. No one will let Loak explain that for more than half a second. He's a child. Obviously, his opinion means nothing, and he should be disregarded. And he tries to, and Jake treats his son like absolute shit. And Such a piece of shit. Basically is like, you are talking to the chief. How fucking no, that dare was you? His, uh, that was his mom, actually. His mom chastised him for the way he was talking to the and chief. And then... So Jake does too, and he's like, I'll take care of this one. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, you don't talk to people. Like, basically, like doesn't give his kid an inch and it's Jake sucks as a dad. That's really wild to me. Like even beyond Jake, just being a bad character, Jake is a legendary fighter amongst the Navi. Like his name or his tribal name was known around the world, around the whole moon. Everyone knows his name. So to think like, I understand there's a, level of hierarchy there where like you have to respect the chief do you not think the chief has an ounce of understanding or respect for jake sully the hero of the navi he knows what a bad motherfucker jake is so there i it it just seemed a little wild to me that there wasn't even an ounce of credence lent to the fact that jake was in fact the baddest motherfucker We've talked about it enough of kind of what happens next, so I'm going to gloss over it because it is actually one of the most horrific things I've ever seen on it's cinema. A, it's a hard sequence to watch is when they hunt down one of the Tolkun. Because Korch's idea now is, oh, we'll murder one of the really cool sea creatures and basically leave it as a calling card so that Sully will come and be angry and fight us. And son of a bitch, it works. It Unbelievable. The slow, systematic murder of this very beautiful creature 
is one of the most horrific things to watch because you know it's based in fact and reality because we know that there's hunting of giant beasts, especially sea creatures for... Elephants for ivory, like all kinds of shit. And it's it's just a really awful, horrible thing. And it's not a, it's not a fast death no, either. No, it's, it's a slow, a belabored death, torturous death. They kill off their like tracking abilities using echo. They definite, so they force it to the surface. They force it to stay on the surface with inflatable balloons, basically, and they shoot an exploding harpoon into its underbelly. Which blows up, and then they just wait. And not only that, they only specifically kill the mother because they know the mother won't leave the calf. The calf. They make behind. it easy. Mm-hmm. So it's awful. Humans are fucking garbage, and they literally kill this in- gigantic creature for a vial that is smaller, smaller than, than this the water bottle. About as tall, but about half the like diameter. And, and I'll, you know. They try to add some, like, feeling to some of the characters because the marine scientist that we meet briefly is very clearly not happy with what's going on. But he is there, and he sort of just has to be there, and he functions as an alcoholic at this point. Uh, He's not happy about it. Spider gets to see the process, and he is, like, not as broken up about it as the audience is, but even he's, like... You're just going to waste the rest of the whale? You're not going to use everything? Like, it's an enormous creature. You, you're you not going to, like, harvest the meat off it or fashion armor with the, like... Because it's, it's also indestructible it's from the top. bulletproof fucking fish. And you're not going to, like, try to get some of the scales off of it to study it to make better armor? Like, the glass that they have on half of their machinery can be broken with arrows, dude. Like... You can't tell me that. I mean, humans are fucking dumb, but wow, they don't use the whole thing. And even the Avatar guys, Quaritch and them, see this whole thing take place and they are not happy about it. But it's like, oh, this is the objective. We need to do this to get where we need to go. So it's ugly all around. Turns out that the particular mother that they killed was the sea sister. Spirit sister. Spirit sister of... Ranal, the chieftain's wife. And... It, this pisses off the sea navi a lot. A ton. And then we have a lot of hemming and hawing. And Jake basically talks them down from going to fucking war. He says, go warn. Send the Tolkoon out of here. He's Get like, him out of here. Go warn the Tolkoon. Like, do something. Like, we got we got to protect them. And then he tries to run again. And while he is doing, doing all, all that. that and having his crises... Loak. Hey, look at that plot line that I told you is going to happen three times. This is the third time. Loak. Goes to warn Pyakan. And in doing so, all his siblings are like, well, wait up. We'll come with you. No, they're like trying to stop him. They're trying to catch him. And he's like, no, that's my fucking. That's my boy. That's my spirit brother. Because he thinks that that is his, which kind of is. It kind of is. And he just wants to go warn his friend. And none of them want to fucking hear it. And so he takes off. They all chase him. So guess what? Loak has now led his siblings into imminent danger. Three times. Again. Three times in the movie. It happens once an hour. Um, Great averages. And they, I literally wrote, I feel like we just did this story. Yeah. we. I, 
I don't know how many times I wrote playing the hits, but they literally did. So Loak goes, guess who has one of the trackers in his body? It's Pyakan. So they are freaking out and they're trying to get him. Guess who's like right around the corner? Like you can see them on the horizon. It's the humans and the avatars. They're it's coming the to get you. the ship that's coming to track the Sullys down. The kids try to save the Tolkoon. They do. They do. But then guess- A little bit too late. Guess who gets caught? The children, at least three of them. And then guess who comes galloping to the rescue? The whole Sea-Navi tribe. And guess what? They say they have the conversation of Jake, just you, and your kids don't get hurt. And Jake almost does that. And then, Sea Whale Ex Machina. Yep. That's yep. Pyakan rolls up, jumps out of the water, onto the boat. The fishing boat. And I, I mean, it's it's the size of a fucking aircraft carrier. Jumps onto it and just fucks shit up for like a minute and then goes back into the water and fucks off. He is super intelligent, though, because he like saw his homeboy. He throws a little temper tantrum. He's like, do I do it again? Like I said, I wouldn't do it again because I'm not supposed to kill people. Fuck it. We're out here. Let's and do then, it. And then, yeah, he basically goes and extracts his revenge on the humans. Ten times over, because he does some really cool shit. <laughs> he, Just to go through the adventure of Pycan, because we'll talk about the rest of the fighting that goes on. He does that on the boat. He, like, knocks stuff around with his fins. He has a little Captain Ahab moment. He leaps off of the boat, goes underwater. He waits for the people that normally hunt him to get on their little boats and chase him. And he waits for them to fire the harpoon at him. Dodges it. Dodges it. Grabs, grabs it. it. And yanks the boat. They're like, fuck, what do we do here? Like, we can't, like, so then he, they cut the line. He takes that line, wraps it around the boat, yanks it, traps the guy that's been killing all the fucking fish, the captain, rips his arm off, and, and throws, throws him, him into the sea. Yep. It is, it, Pyakan is mean, maybe the most interesting character in the movie. Pycan's storyline was great. And he communicates in clicks, pops, and moans. Um, uh, this is basically just now the Michael Bay portion of the movie because once Pycan does that, all hell breaks loose. All bets are off. The entire sea Navi attacks, the Sullies are in there um, because everybody's so much focused on the sinking ship, they don't really have time to focus on the fact that they're holding a ransom for Sully's children. Now, I will say this. There are a few times in the movie where the animation just clearly was not done enough. Some sequences, especially when exploring Pandora, are gorgeous. Some sequences, when there's a lot of Na'vi on the screen, are really bad to look at unless you're looking directly at a main character. Because the Na'vi that aren't important, you know, your extras and your B characters, they lose detail fast, and they get fugly fast. And there's a lot of them in the back third of the movie, and there's a lot of shots where unless you're looking directly at the character that you are in theory supposed to be looking at, you start to see the movie and the world degrade rapidly. And it's not nice. I don't like that. It feels shitty. Spider spent his time on the boat wisely. Um, oh, yeah, Spider learned how to do everything on the boat. And learned how to do some of the things and basically brings the entire ship down. He sinks the boat. 
And so, yeah. We do have this really good line that I don't want to skip over because it was actually a time where both me and James admitted that the writing was good in that portion. There's a little jab earlier on the boat where the fisherman captain goes, I've got the harpoon. What are they going to do? Because the scientist was talking about how the Tolkoon have bigger brains and they're the more evolved species. And and the captain's like, yeah, but I've got the harpoon. And then later on, when... When Pyakan is about to kill everybody on that little vessel. Because he stole the harpoon. The the scientist looks at the captain and goes, who's got the harpoon now? And I was like, damn, fuck it. It was a kind of hard line, I'll admit. I would have liked it if the marine biologist had more screen time, honestly. And uh, I mean, we they, just didn't. They kind of ran that plot in the first one with the scientists being on the side of nature and stuff. So if you really wanted the first movie again, then we could have spent more time with this marine biologist. Well, this is just the first movie three times. Um, nature always wins is my answer to the fish. Um, the end of the movie is a lot of repeat of uh, the Sully children getting captured. It really is. It's just a constant back and forth of like, oh, we rescue a few. Oh, well, some of us get captured in the process. Oh, well, we rescued a few. Oh, well, some of us got captured in the process. And we rescue them the first time. Uh, The older brother comes, saves, took the chieftain's daughter. Serena. And Loak. Loak looks at his brother and they're like, they've got spider. We've got to get spider. Because again, it's always Loak that has to freaking make problems. They go rescue Spider, but the the older brother gets shot. shot. Takes one right here. There's organs here that are important. And in the process of this, Took Took gets out with Serena, but Kiri is kidnapped and Took says, Sully, stick together, and has learned from her older brother to only do stupid shit. And so she goes back to the ship with Serena to rescue Kiri, and guess who gets captured again? It's Took. And so Serena gets out. Serena gets out. They take the older brother. He dies. Someone had to die in this movie. It had to be Nateum. And you know what? I don't feel bad. I didn't. I don't feel bad because the whole movie, there's they try to run this arc where Loak is like the main character almost. And what's his fucking name? Nateum. Nateum is just sort of like, oh, my brother's keeper. And he doesn't get screen time. He's not built out as a character. And so Shockingly, considering like, he got the shout out. At he, the beginning. So he becomes he becomes a prime candidate for like, oh, I bet you you don't make it to the end of the movie because we don't know anything about him. We don't know like what he likes. We don't he's he's never on screen. He doesn't talk. He shows up to rescue his siblings and then get yelled at by his dad, and that's about it. That's his whole character arc. And so you know, I complained at the very beginning of the movie that there weren't any stakes, like no one important died. And they follow through all the way to the end of the movie. No one important dies. And it seems a little harsh to say that, like, Natam's not important. Because in theory, he would be important. He's very important to Natiri, not important to Sully at all. But he's very important to I mean, Natiri. he was Sully's favorite son. Yeah, well, you think he would have given another fuck. And he, like, Natiri wants blood. Yep, so... Did and she fucking gets it. Natiri and Jake, on a basically solo run at this point, I don't know what happened. Spider comes. 
Well, Spider, but I don't know what happened to the rest of the scene, Avi, at this point. They just kind of... Oh, they quietly vanish. Yeah, you don't... They There's not... It... They killed off all the tertiary humans and disappear. Yeah, that's it. Um, and the continuation of no explanation given, so... We could have had a cutaway where the chieftain looks around and says, our work here is done, and rallies his guys to fuck off. That would have been plenty. Didn't get that. They nope. just go away. I mean, it would have added... To... 35 seconds to the three-hour runtime. In fact, to the point that I kind of forgot they existed in this whole fight until... Well, that's how unimportant they are. But, so, Sully, using Spider as a guide, because Spider was on the ship and he knows where the girls are being kept, and Natiri are going to go fuck some people up. And that is exactly what they do. And they tell Loak to stay there. And Loak stays there, You'll never guess it. All of five seconds, then he fucks off to go help on the ship. I literally wrote, I was like, this kid just doesn't fucking learn. It's important that he goes because he's part of the rescue mission, but... Like, the whole movie doesn't happen if Loak doesn't have an impulsive decision right at the beginning. But in this one moment, his impulsive decision saves Jake's life. Which is... Telegraphed from approximately an hour and a half ahead of time. They get to basically a standoff. I'm gonna the, the fighting, blah blah blah. Natiri fucks some fuckers up. It's a terrific action sequence. I gotta say. Um, terrific action. But we get to the point where basically, Sully has freed the uh, took, but Porch has Kiri by a knife, and. Instead of secretly killing him from behind, which she 100% could have done, Natiri makes the weird decision to hold Spider at knife point because that's Korich's kid. And... Oh my god, we get the son for a son line, which gets repeated later in a different context, and it does not have the emotional weight that they think it does. <laughs> And for some reason, Korach goes, that's not my son. Like, we're not even the same species. And, but then also, two seconds later, caves. And let's go. So now the kids are free. And... Natiri takes the kids into the water. The Sully children and Natiri are free. And then Jake and... Korach taunts Sully. And they duke it out by themselves. And oil lights the sea on fire. So now the Sullys are stuck. They can't escape. And so... And then the ship sinks. So we've got the Titanic happening at the same time as a Terminator fight. It's literally the Titanic. Like, the two... Spider and Kiri are, like, climbing up as the ship's going like this. Underneath you have Took and Natiri getting stuck in, like, hallways while water is spilling up. And they're it, having to, spin, like, swim through. You... If you didn't know that... James Cameron did both Titanic and this movie and you watch Titanic one week and then you watch this movie the next, you would 100% go, oh, I bet you it was the same director because it's the same fucking sequences. They even have a like, hold on to me moment between Spider and Kiri, like, don't let go. And I was like, never let go, Jack. Like, it's literally the same. It's the Titanic, but also there's a hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, but also two dudes are duking it out. And uh, eventually, Sully chokes out Korich. Underwater. Underwater. Leaves him to 
sink to the bottom. He basically dies. I'm surprised he's alive at all because he was underwater. Like two minutes, three minutes unconscious. Longer, like, because, like, um, Loak, we told you he comes back. Loak goes in there, gets to his dad, has a whole speech with him. They wait for the water to fill up. Uh, same with Took and Natiri and Kiri. They all have this moment of like the speech and like getting out of the boat. And it takes all of that time for Spider to see his dad. Think about saving his dad, decide not to, swim away, have a second thought, swim back, and then drag his dad to the surface. And then to an island where he then becomes conscious. And I was just like, what? Like, how in the fuck? He gets, I don't understand it. He gets choked into unconsciousness and sinks to the seabed. The fact he's alive is unexplainable. You could, you cannot come to me. James Cameron could be here right now and he could be like, oh, he's got advanced lungs. How? Why? How? The, the Navi who were from the forest had to learn how to hold their breath a long time. And by the way, if you're unconscious underwater, I don't think your brain knows how to hold its breath. I don't know that, but I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm really glad that the fish lived. Oh yeah, Pike the whale. Lives. He lives. I don't care so much about anything else. Um, seventy-five percent, four, three out of four kids surviving ain't bad. That's passing. Oh my god, the fucking sun for a sun comment because Natiri during her threat says "sun for a sun" and like spits it, like says it like it's a sentence that tastes bad in her mouth, and then the child swap, and then. Fucking Jake says a son for a son while holding Loak and Spider to him like he's adopting Spider. And it's fucking what a weird connection to make. It doesn't feel right. It feels disingenuous and weird. It's like Jake's like trying to show affection, but doesn't know how and repeats a phrase that was used in improper context. It's just just a bad the ending sucks. They bury their son at the sea tree. Yep. Um, and then the two, Jake and the chief of the Sea Navi, have a conversation. And Jake's like, "We're gonna head out in the morning because, like, sorry for all the problems we caused you." And the Sea Chief's like, "Well, no, your son's buried here now, so you're Sea Navi now." And Jake's like, okay. "Yes, this is where we make our fucking fight." And I was like, "Okay, wait a minute. This is my last thought about the fucking movie because it really, really pissed me off. We left the forest people, your people." Mind you, the people you were chief of. The people who initially adopted you in. To protect them from the people that are trying to hunt you down. But when it comes to the sea navi, fuck them, I guess. We'll, yeah, we'll fight here. Like, what? You just made this whole speech about, like, how you're the problem, you need to go, but it, but that apparently only matters to the forest people. You're only going to protect those people. Instead of using your fucking military base with all your con- Like, you had so much shit- ah! This rant is brought to you by America. Don't make- the character have a moral compass about one thing and then just make them throw it away 
It, it's just, it seems, it's, it, the whole thing is bad. I hate the fucking Avatar movies. They're so long and they suck plot wise. And if they weren't pretty to look at and they didn't give me amazing things at Disney World, I literally would set them on fire. The end. I want to be all done talking about this horrible movie now. It's better than the first one. I guess. I enjoyed it more than the first one. I laughed at it more than the first one. Um, it's prettier than the first one. So we're getting a third and a fourth and a fifth. Someday. <laughs> um, I don't want to because we get to the end of the movie and everything is exactly the same as it was at the beginning of the movie. Just in a different location. It literally, you spent, and I fucking, I bitched about it however long ago in this episode. It's a waste. At the end of this movie, the only thing that has changed is that Nataeum is dead. It's kind of like Grace dying in the first one. It's such a fucking waste of everyone's time. Even if you want to like the movie and be engaged in the characters, it's a waste of everything they do. Every effort they make is a waste. And we want to explain the really cool characters like Kiri, who has magic ocean powers that no one understands. No, we're going to spend all the some time watching stupid teenage boy do stupid teenage boy shit. I just... I'm so sad that this true cinematic marvel got paired with a script that is just a jumbled mass of bullshit. Like, I have the visceral reaction to this movie that Star Wars purists have to the last three. Like, it, n n it's a waste. It's really pretty. It's a waste. Nothing changes. The status quo is the same. Quaritch is alive. Quaritch gets away. When Spider drags him to the rock and leaves him there, Quaritch's fucking bird dragon shows up and is all chummy with him. And Quaritch tries to get Spider to come with him. Spider hisses at him and fucks off. He goes back to the Sullies because he knows who actually treats him like family. So now it you are ensuring Quaritch is your antagonist in the next movie. He's gonna be in the third movie. This is a character that died at the end of the first one. And the second one. There's no way he's- He's that. been killed twice. Two times. James Cameron can't let a motherfucker die. It wouldn't shock me if Nataeum came back. Because no one is permitted to be dead permanently. That's insane! Grace's avatar is still alive. Grace's avatar had a baby! Nothing is real! Everything's made up! There's no... There's no stakes! No one important died! We didn't even learn shit about Nateum before he was killed, and we spent three hours with him. He was irrelevant, and he died, and everyone was sad briefly. 
briefly. None of the C-Navi died. That were important. Or that we even saw, because you didn't really even see them in the fight. No, none of the Sully family dies but Nateum. Kill fucking Natiri. Kill Jake. I don't care. I, even, even if you were to leave Jake alive and have him continue to be the protagonist of your movie series, which clearly they want. I don't get why he sucks. Literally kill anyone of importance. You could kill Kiri. Well, don't kill Kiri. I well, like Kiri. Kill but, Took. Kill the baby. Sure. Literally anyone else. Kill Loak. Give Nateum a story. We had a great story from Loak. Kind of. This movie. So kill him at the end and give us Nateum's revenge arc. Honestly, he should have died. Loak should have died. Loak should have died like three times. And it, you know, that might have been like a good lesson for Sully because like you treated your kid like shit this whole time and he just wanted to prove himself to you. And he finally does, like, he ends up, like, saving the family or something, but he dies, and he gets this, he just looks at his dad, and he's like, I just wanted to make you proud, and then dies, and then Tatum gets, like, this revenge arc story. Like, it could have, you could have done so many There's, cool things. There are so many ways you can end this movie and inspire hope that the third one will be good. And James Cameron and his writing team considered that and didn't do it. At all. They didn't take a single interesting transition to get to the next movie. And we've, we're going to have three more. The amount of just artistic waste is unfathomable to me. And I, like, I want to bitch about like the way the movie was made and shit. But honestly, it's really cool how the movie was made. There's a lot of really dope shit that had to happen for this movie to come out. I will not forgive myself for watching it because it was just a waste of time. You want to know what it reminds me of? Hmm. Remember that really beautiful video game that has expansive, endless worlds you can go to and was like going to be super cool and revolutionary in the way of video games called No Man's Sky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it came out and it had no substance whatsoever, even though they spent gajillions of time and hours pouring into this universe and this world. Like, there's you, you, there's endless worlds you can go to, and it's, like, multiplayer and all this shit, but there's not a thing you do in the game. Not a damn thing. Yeah, it, that's what this movie is. Like, you spent all this time developing this entire world with this entire language and creatures and way of life and animals and people and all this shit and then you just didn't write a good story credit where credit's due it's some of the best world building in a fantasy setting since like tolkien yeah like it's astounding how well he did on that only to drop the absolute ball on plot and story and characters just astounding we're over an hour on this episode i i want to give lots of credit to the production and to the crew and everything about that. It's not the, your fault. The only reason this movie has a rating above zero for me is because of the evolution of cinema and the way they did the production. Three for me. It gets a five for me on the visuals and the production and the man hours 
that went into it, you could have asked me to write the script and I would have delivered a story. Overall three for me. I'm amazed I'm giving it a better rating than you. I really hate Avatar. Three out of ten and a five out of ten. Watch averaging at your, for a four out of ten. Yep. Watch at your own risk. It's really, really pretty. Watch it on mute while you do chores. If you want to see the visuals, they are some really stunning visuals. And then interspersed in there, some nightmarish sequences. And honestly, watch the last battle. Honestly, it's pretty good. Watch the final battle. And then uh, you can turn your TV off and feel good about yourself because you didn't have to sit through the nightmare like we did. We did it for you and only you. And that's City Wave Cinema. Wow, very MatPat ending. Next time we will be watching Edward Scissorhands. So instill. I guarantee you I will have better things to say about that movie's story than this. Until then. Bye.